Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogomilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Amy Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I wish, I think I'm a little blah because of what we're going to talk about today, because I'm just very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, like, I, I'm, I, I'm not quite at the what the hell was that that I was at. Oh, I'm not far away from that zip code either. Yeah, um, I was definitely there after the, after the finale, but I think I've calmed down now. Um, I don't know that I have, but this is a show that is technically not a British show. Technically. Uh, it is BBC America's Killing Eve, yes, which is one of the network's first original programs, which just concluded its fourth and final season. And so, because I know it's a show that a lot of Anglophiles also enjoy, I mean, it's on BBC America, and we all love we all love Jodie Comer, and we love Sandra Oh, and we love Fiona Shaw, and so we're like, well, let's take let's take a minute to look back on on. Not just this final season, but the show as a whole. Like, it feels very strange to be like, "Wow, that was the series finale." Seriously, but yeah, yeah. you know. Okay, so you know, it's funny. I gave Killing Eve the benefit of the doubt for a very long time. Season one was amazing when it hit. It was. It's um, truly Killing Eve. I think is one of the best recent examples of how American TV. I think needs to get right with the way that real British TV does some stuff. Like if this show had been a single season, it would have been perfect. Yeah. But no, we're American. We have to like, let's make four seasons. Um, so first of all, Killing Eve, for those who uh, may never have watched it, is uh, Sandra Oh as uh, Eve, the titular character, and Jodie Comer as Villanelle. And it's based on a, a, a novel series uh, called The Villanelle novels basically and uh eve is an mi6 person um who is basically a desk jockey when the show begins and villanelle is a serial killer working for a shadowy organization and it's eve who initially realizes a that villanelle is female and b that the killings are related carolyn who is played by fiona shaw is sort of the head of the task force trying to track down the serial killer assassin and so she hires eve straight out of her desk and basically puts her on the path to find villanelle and season one was basically this sort of spy versus spy sort of uh pistache of uh of 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 you know james bondish like secret agent man kind of like 1960s uh british like like a very mid-century british spy spy show that 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 was very much supposed to recall it except that the only big difference is that both characters were female and it was written by phoebe waller bridge who is a woman and it was sort of it was sort of just a taking of the whole thing and flipping it on its head by making these women instead of men and it really was a fascinating result and it was a surprise hit and so uh, uh, um, AMC Networks which owns BBC America owns a 51% stake in BBC America along with BBC Worldwide said we want season two but Phoebe Waller-Bridge was like um listen guys I don't actually have a really good idea for season two and I had a really great idea for like Fleabag season two while I was writing this so I'm gonna go make Fleabag season two see ya so the idea became that they would get a different female showrunner for season two 
And that was Emerald Fennell, who uh, went on to make Promising Young Woman, the Oscar-nominated film after that. And so she was only there for one season. And play Camilla in The Crown, don't forget. Right, and play Camilla in The Crown, right. She Basically, she only had time to do one season. So they then passed it to another female showrunner. At that point, the narrative became, and the marketing became, that this is a show that launches female showrunners, that there aren't enough in the industry, there's enough opportunity for female showrunners to show what they can do. Here is a hit show by and for and about women, written by women, that can give women who need a, 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 a showrunner title a launch. And that was a really great idea. But I remember when I was reviewing season three for NBC, I wrote about this and my editor, I'd, I'd just written about like, I think it was uh, uh, American Gods season three. And she was like, you just wrote in this other review that they've had a sh- different showrunner every season and that's why the show is terrible and it has no follow through and it's a complete disaster. Why is this? Sh- why does this show work and that one doesn't? And then, you know, I've been sort of wondering that since because I thought that season one and season two worked, though for very different reasons. And unlike Lazy, I did like season three, mm. but I those words have been echoing in my head ever since. And season four, I think, is proof that it doesn't work. I mean, my issue with it is that in order to sort of give the keys to the kingdom to a new person, they sort of let the new person kind of reset everything when they start their specific season. And they are not necessarily required to really do a lot of follow through from whatever the finale of the previous season was. Um, I honestly truly think the problem with Killing Eve is that it only probably should have been one season. Ever, it's, it's struggled to figure out what its mission statement is ever since the end of season one um there's no uh, i won't say no i'll say very little there's very little consistent like narrative through line for me like why characters do the things that they do outside of the plot says that they have to do those things i hated season three because it completely erased eve from her own show i get that villanelle is a really interesting character villanelle's my favorite character she's one of my favorite characters on tv right now period so i get the impetus to like she's more interesting we want to write to her and jodie comer as we all know is freaking phenomenal but like eve somehow got lost in the shuffle and i think you really see that play out this season when eve makes a cut a couple of like really hard like swerves narratively speaking that i cannot tell you how she got there because the show like never never felt like i needed to know that and and i think it's constant need to reset itself really is to its own detriment because the reason that we're all still watching the show is that the characters are so rich and interesting the actresses are so great no one cares about this dumb plot like literally no one cares we care about these characters but because they keep having to bring them back to zero we keep losing a sense of like who they are well okay i felt like season one and season two were kind of in conversation with each other season one was very like james as i said it was very james bond spy versus spy you know very this sort of mid-century like 
um, you know, feel to it. Like, you know, it, like the like the 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 ICPRESS files. I'm so pr- I pronounce that wrong every single time. Um, like those kinds of things. And I felt like Emerald Fresnel took those characters and she she kept she did actually manage a through line to the characters in season two that matched season one. But she made it far rom- romantic, far more snarky. Like there was something about it that was like a lot darker and more romantic at the same time, which I thought was really fascinating. Uh, I don't know that I 100% agree with that because I really like the big twist is that instead of chasing Villanelle like they do in season one, in season two, like Villanelle essentially like works for MI6. Yeah. Like they bring her into the fold. Right. And it, just and, it, doesn't... It, and it basically makes it so that these two who have been in opposites are now together and trying to work together. And I, I got more of a romance, like a sense of trying to figure out the romance of the two of them. That didn't super work for me either. But I will say that season two is much better than three and four. OK. Season one, the the, the sexual attraction between Eve and Villanelle is very much um, making the 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 subtext homoeroticism of the spy stories text. And that's what that's what Waller Bridge is playing with. And Fennel just basically took it and like turned it into like a, 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 an actual and tried to actually turn it into a romance. Whether or not that worked for you, I'm that's, you know, a matter of opinion. But I actually did. I enjoyed the idea. I'm not sure if it always worked, but I did enjoy how she was trying to like play with it. Season three. I didn't mind season three. I thought there were good moments in season three, but as I, I am, I, I, I'm not so enamored with season three that I cannot admit that it had a huge problem, which is that Susan Heathcote, the uh, the the showrunner for season three, had no interest in Eve. She really didn't, and that was a problem because the show is called Killing Eve, um, and you can't like just lose interest in the main character. That's not how that works. Um, she also, I, I think, part of the reason why I really loved season three, or at least really liked it, was that Harriet Walter was the big guest star that season, and she worked a lot with Jodie Comer as sort of her, she was sort of she took over as Jodie Comer's character's mentor, and I thought she really brought a lot of fun to the show that it hadn't had in the first two seasons so i forgave a lot of things because there were good things i thought i thought those two actresses were great together their story did not make any sense like none none of villanelle's like none of villanelle's the best episode of the season is is the one in which sandra oh does not appear at all and it's where villanelle goes home to russia yeah to like find her family or something and it's just like it's a great episode of television but like all of I don't know. Season three just doesn't work for me in so many ways. A lot of it is is because like Eve is almost completely removed from the story, yeah. but it's also because Eve is completely removed from like Villanelle's sphere. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the other problem with the way that the show often feels that need to reset itself is that in resetting itself, it divides them up again. It breaks them up again. And, and, and there's usually like no real reason for it, especially the break between season two and three. Like I have absolutely no idea how we got, from the finale of season three, which saw them both sort of staring long at each other, having just confessed that they should let each other go, but they can't across tower bridge. And then like season four starts and I think they might be in different countries. Uh, Yes. Like, honestly, guys. And, 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 and it, 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 it starts with, Eve is now the spy master. Oh, who and is, she's like banging a dude. I just right? what the heck? And and Villanelle has found Christianity, which lasts all of like an episode. Um, which I, I think I would have been 
more forgiving of season three if season four had managed to make sense in any way, shape, or form. But I, um, I felt like with season four that I'd suddenly been watching a game of telephone where each showrunner whispered a thing. I think the just- reason you... You liked yeah. season three better than I did. So my expectations for season four were like already in the toilet, mm. which is why I'm like, oh, this is bad again. So it's like, uh, it's not like life changingly bad because I thought last season was bad. Like elements yeah. of this are really bad, mostly because it doesn't make any sense. Season four felt like I just watched a game of telephone where like showrunner had whispered in the ear of one who'd whispered in the ear of one and it's whispered in the ear of one. And here we were with something that had that 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 was just not actually anything that had anything to do with season one. And it wasn't even just that it had nothing to do with season one. It like it, it seemed to genuinely misunderstand the show. You know, one of the things about, you know, as I said, Vanilla works for the shadowy organization. The shadowy organization doesn't matter, okay? Like, it doesn't matter in James Bond. What's what's the stupid shadowy organization in James Bond? I think it changes like every three movies. Yeah, like, except that when it's not Spectre, when it's something else, right? Like, there's It's usually Spectre. But it doesn't... But still... The the point is is that it doesn't really matter who runs Spectre. Spectre can like come and go as it pleases. Nobody really cares. The twelve aren't care. The twelve aren't a thing that they're not a mystery that anyone's wondering about. They're just the shadowy organization, right? No one needs to actually know how Carolyn is connected to the twelve. She has shady stuff in her past, and that's all you need to know about her. Villanelle's handler Constantine vaguely has shadow we stuff in his path to you know he works for the 12 and he's her manager and yet somehow he knows carolyn we don't really care like how these connections happened it's all just sort of part of the shading of well, the because, whole yeah the thing yeah. is is it's just supposed to be the engine that makes the rest of the show work right like this is the dumb nameless thing that get it's like the it's like a MacGuffin. It's mm-hmm. the it, a MacGuffin for people who don't know is like the object in an Indiana Jones movie or something that they have to go find. Like and it's it doesn't like it doesn't mean anything. It's just like the driving narrative engine of the story. It's the thing that they're Avengers chasing. movies so, are full of MacGuffins. Whatever it is they're all searching for, it's always the MacGuffin. Yeah, but like that's that they're just the the sort of background engine that gives the rest of the show something to operate against. I don't care who the 12 are no one cares who the 12 are i i lost in i lost interest in i couldn't even explain to you like the 12 plot line over the course of the show like i that's how much i lost interest in it i literally zoned out every time anyone started talking about the 12 well what, what, like, what was frustrating about this is a the show seemed to think we needed the 12 explained to us we do not it needed to it seemed to think we needed carolyn's backstory we did not it need yep. wanted to explain how uh carolyn and constantine knew each other we did not need to know Don't that care. it needed to make it so that they'd always loved each other forever and ever no what Don't that's care. random and then but if you actually watch the thing where carolyn young carolyn in 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 the in the background oh, scene yeah, there's like a whole episode worth of worth of like flashbacks that's like a, this is like eight hours of my life. I'm never getting back. Yeah, it, it, she names the twelve, but the twelve is not a thing that becomes a shadowy organization. It's just a bunch of idiot 
kids in Berlin who want to spray paint things and are anarchists, you know, with a capital A, because that means they can wear leather jackets and docks and be cool, right? Like, it's really not even a thing. So how did this become the 12th? It doesn't matter. That, that, that makes no sense, right? Like, I have no idea who told them that this was, like, the storyline we were really, like, hanging on the edge of our seats to find out the answer to in the final season of the show ever. No one was hanging on our edge of the seats for this. But in addition to that, they decide they're going to introduce, what, like four, five new characters out of nowhere. Like, I don't, I'm sure that actress that plays Pam, who is a new assassin that like Constantine recruits from somewhere, like... No, 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 no. Constantine doesn't recruit her. The fact that you actually said that is really funny because that's proof that, like, yeah, it didn't even register to you. She is a person who, okay, she is- Oh, wait, when Helene put, recruited her. You're, yes, Hel- right. Helene recruits her. Also, and, who cares and, about Helene? Like, yeah. who cares about Helene? Who cares about her new assassin protege who literally takes over, like, four episodes? Like- who like who are these characters? Why are you putting them into the final season of the show ever when what people want is some kind of closure to the even Villanelle relationship? And they're like, well, here, how about you have Pam? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure Pam is fine, but no. I don't want that. Pam also didn't make any sense as a character. When we meet her, she's supposed to be in a kind of a, 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 a sociopath in the making who prefers dead people to live ones. And even her brother like is- an undertaker's assistant or something. So yeah, I guess I, that means she's crazy. And her brother is kind of creeped out by her. And then she murders her brother. Okay. All right. But then like, it's like, she doesn't actually want to be an assassin when she has to actually assassinate somebody. She's like, oh, but she's so nice. And then when Carolyn offers her a job at the end, after we have been forced to sort of drag this character around, she's like, yeah, no, bye. And leaves. (laughs) Like what? It's just, I can't, I just can't like, what a waste of time. There's like huge chunks of episodes devoted to this subplot. And I would really like to know, I, I mean, let me just give you a partial list of the questions that I would have loved for this season to answer ex- instead of giving me Pam. How has Constantine died like three times and not been dead? When did Eve decide she was a lesbian? Did Eve have any like, you know, shouldn't that have been a big deal that she suddenly decided that she was not only into women, she was going to throw over everything in her life for this woman. Uh, where did her random new man friend come from? Oh, that that part I actually did get. I did actually get that. I, I, I know where Yusuf came from. Basically, when Eve goes back to MI6, MI6 doesn't really want her. She's been fired. So she joined a, a, a private security firm. And this is the guy who she's partnered with. I actually really didn't care about the answer to that. But like, <laughs> how did Eve suddenly decide that like getting revenge on the 12 is the only thing she wants to do, but she's totally fine with Eve having killed her former mentor and best friend and mentioning it four separate times in the last two episodes. And yet that's okay. Yeah. Uh, It's very, very strange. I just, I mean, and I know, I know that they, a lot of the stuff in the finale where even Villanelle finally make out and they finally get together is just to satisfy the fandom that has been waiting for this for four years. I get that. I shipped them too, but I am insulted as a viewer that they think like having them have a cute makeout scene makes up for all the like that we watched along the way. Like that moment was so not earned. Like the show didn't earn it. Nope. 
the show did not earn it and the whole thing with the camper van was ridiculous the whole thing with the the whole thing with let's run into some people who've shared a kidney let's also also you know we're meant to be because we can pee together i i i I I, what (laughs) and then and then like that's not enough then you kill one of them I was kind of... You kill one of them. You don't show us their reaction to the other one. Like, what was their grand plan there? They were just going to, like... I... I... I, Ah! I just... How? How? How did the show disintegrate into this? I'm... As I said, it's like a game of telephone. And the last showrunner didn't understand the show that she was handed. Or she didn't care about the show she was handed and tried to turn it into something else. One of the other things that I... I, I I'm I'm kind of glad that we, we that it took us a minute to get to this to get to this uh to this episode uh to this podcast episode because if we had done this a week before um I would not have known that Killing Eve w- has a spin-off greenlit that is focused on Carolyn Martins and Fiona Shaw. No one cares. Well, no, because at least that made a little bit of sense to me because the show made no sense. Season four made no sense to me until I saw that there was going to be a spinoff. And suddenly I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Killing Eve is one of like BBC America's marquee shows. It was this along with Orphan Black was the evidence that this network could make original programming. Mm -hmm. This show, this fan base, the people that have been there since the premiere, these actresses deserve better than for the last episodes of their show to serve as a setup for a different show yes i would absolutely agree i don't like the fact that that's what happened but that at least to me like finally i understood why i just sat through what i'd sat through it was like being it was like it was like the uh, missing puzzle piece in the center that i was like none of this makes any sense and then once i got that puzzle piece i was like oh now everything makes sense that's terrible but now everything makes sense i'm thinking it no this is and you know what whatever maybe that piece of it makes sense but let's go back to the villanelle and eve thing which doesn't make any sense oh no that makes no sense because i'm thinking about the part in the episode where eve is trying to do like cathartic karaoke with her man friend oh god God. Who then just like pieces out on her out of nowhere. Um, well, but she, she's like having visions of her former co-workers, including Dead Bill. And she's like so upset about Dead Bill that she goes to find and hook up with the woman who killed Dead Bill. Like, I I mean, I, I get that their like attraction is magnetic. Like they're going to overcome all of this. But I like super need. I need the like the through line there. Yeah. <laughs> This season could have had the through line if it had a put the two of them together from the beginning or made the Christianity thing be a blip that then brought them together instead of keeping them apart for the rest of the show. If it hadn't wanted to turn it wasn't even that. Eve- they ran into each other like three times, but then we're like, no, we have to go do other things. Yeah. Like, there were so many opportunities for the two of them to get together and be together and build into that ending, and they didn't take them. I'm really upset that my mentor is dead, but also I want to make out with you, so it's cool. You know, like, I didn't understand, I didn't understand why Eve had to have a whole relationship with Helen. Um, Oh my gosh, what, what, what is even Helen there for? I don't know. Um, I, I liked the idea 
when we first meet Constantine of him being a mayor in Russia, that he basically failed upwards. I was just like, I thought he was dead. How is he not dead again? I know. I liked the idea that he just kept failing upwards instead of dying. That made me laugh. Oh, that's true to life, though. Um, <laughs> Right? Like, I thought that was funny. But then they bring him back and force him to be Pam's mentor, and then Pam kills him. And now he's really dead. Um, and Pam kills him by accident? No, no, no. She doesn't kill him well, by accident. I mean, she kills. She doesn't kill him by accident, but she kills him on like incorrect information. Yes, like, she, she doesn't kill- know that Helene is dead. Yes. So, it, it, which is ridiculous and makes no sense. And like, it, 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 it made no sense with her character as being this sociopathic creature at the beginning of the season. Like, her story made no sense at all the whole way through. Which was really weird. I don't understand why this show thought we cared about Helene. At all. I don't know. I don't know. Helen or Pam. I'm just like, every time they were on screen, I was really salty that they were taking away screen time from like someone else I'd rather be watching. I thought bringing Martin back was interesting. He was sort of, he'd sort of been a side character from season three. I thought that had potential, but then they didn't really do anything with it. I feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like if I squint over the past four seasons, I've gotten a sense of how, I've gotten a sense of, of how Villanelle has changed or grown or grown but backslid or grown but not changed like at the core of who she is like Jodie Comer does a really amazing job in that last scene where she's murdering all of the 12 yes. of her expression is like it's so clear how much she loves killing people yes like how much she enjoys it how much it's a part of who she is like despite despite her wondering if it should be I feel like she's had a much more interesting interior arc than eve has who i literally i just can't i can't i can't tell you why eve did anything this season and that really makes me angry yeah um there was this whole thing about how it should be cathartic that she'd killed lars and i kept being really confused by this because i was like i don't care about lars and lars is nobody and he's not even like all of the 12 and then the ending where okay they don't kill both eve and um and the ending is so wild like i just can't even i a, a random a, a, a random sharpshooter starts shooting at them while they're on the boat they jump into the water bullets hit villanelle underwater and eve survives and at the end it's because carolyn gave the order and i can't tell if carolyn gave the order just to kill villanelle if she gave the order to kill both of them and the sharpshooter is an idiot we'll never know who knows and I'm sure it's supposed to mean something that all this happened in the shadow of Tower Bridge or whatever, but just barf. You know, I went back and I actually started looking at like the uh, one of the things I did after I watched the finale is I went back and I looked at my recaps for the finales for seasons one, two and three. And all three of them were much better series finales than this one. They actually gave closure. It didn't even matter. Like in in, in season one. Eve stabs Villanelle and leaves her to die. In season two, Villanelle shoots Eve and leaves her to die. Which is honestly a perfect ending. Yes. And in no, I season- think Eve shoots Villanelle. Eve shoots no 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 it's it's backwards in the first one it's Eve stabs Villanelle and the second one oh, is right, Villanelle right, 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 right. shoots Eve so it's basically a mirror image as I said like I really felt like season one and season two were in conversation in a way that I have never felt with season three or four I j- I'm sorry I have to just get this out which I can't believe that they get to this whole big like like murdered by Carolyn death in the River Thames gross scene 
and it's literally like 15 seconds. And then there's just a title card that's like the end while Eve is screaming. That's the uh, end of the show. That's right. the entire end of the show. And I'm just like, did I do drugs? Like, did I accidentally do hallucinogens? I don't... The, the the ending on Tower Bridge at the end of season three would have been a perfect series finale, as far as I'm concerned. Even if season three didn't make a lot of sense. Well, yeah, because you could have you could have mentally written your own ending from that point. Like, yes. all answers are... All answers from that ending are valid. Yeah. Either they get together and they go do crimes... They go their separate ways and always wonder. One of them kills the other. Like any ending fits there. Yeah, and 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 the thing I'd actually forgotten about is that this is actually also where um, Harriet Walters' character Dasha um, is. Each of them thinks that they've killed Dasha, and they're confessing it to each other on the bridge, like they're sorry that they've killed this person who mattered to the other person and Except it's really now, they're, now this season they're like let's just kill everyone indiscriminately Woo! i know there were a lot of i know there were a lot of people who really wanted like villanelle and eve just to like get together and like go be gay and do crime or whatever and that would be fine if they had like picked a lane the worst part is is that and this is the thing i keep going back to is that the 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 homoeroticism of season one was actually kind of its most problematic part making villanelle this sort of like evil lesbian calls back to a sort of a a, a, a gay panic idea of the 1960s that 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 these evil characters were part of in these spy novels and that there wasn't a lot explored there in season one and i actually remember thinking that it kind of like awkward and a little uncomfortable and the fact that the show has just totally taken this into let's make them be gay and do crimes just it seems so like did you watch season one like it just doesn't make sense to me i like, and, wouldn't have i wouldn't have minded it if they'd really shown me how they got there yeah if if they'd spent any time like because i feel because i feel like they just did it for like the tumblr gifts okay and then let me also point out and this is the other thing that for me was very problematic um amc plus did okay this is a thing that actually has start you've started seeing um pbs passport does this too where they basically give you if you're streaming if you're signed up for the streaming service if you're a member of passport if you're a subscriber to amc plus you get next week's episode one week early and so you're ahead of everybody by one week. And this is a, this is a way of, of of still doing the weekly rollout while not actually like uh, wh- while still finding a way to get people to subscribe. And and I get that. But what ended up happening is that so AMC Plus did episodes one and two together, and then did the rest of the episodes weekly with the finale dropping on the tenth. BBC America was forced to do one episode at a time and then shove the last two episodes together into this two hour finale on the 10th, partly to make, make room for the fact that Dr. Who was going to air on the 17th. Um, and so basically the not, the, the, the third to last episode became for linear viewers, the penultimate episode. And so the pacing was also off. Like, we should have had two weeks of Villanelle and Eve kind of together going from that island and onward. Gun should have been a, a, a multi-episode arc instead of a random character introduced and then killed. Wait, can we talk about Gun? Who I didn't even realize that she had a name until Annie told me what it was. I was like the hulking biking escalating on the island. Um, I'm sorry, the hell? <laughs> 
my god, that was so random. Like I just I, what? Like it was like, a, like it was like Villanelle found her spiritual soulmate and then ran away. And then Eve gouged her eyes out with her fingernails. With her fi- yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just like, how have we not had Villanelle? Li- uh, not Villanelle. Sorry. How have we not? Because I honestly feel like I know a lot about how Villanelle feels about murder. I know zero things about how Eve feels about it. She kills like three people this season, including putting someone's eyes out with her own thumbs. And she's just like, well, I guess we can make out in this van now. <laughs> like, it made no sense. And, and, and again, this is another thing where they just introduce a character out of nowhere, expect us to care about her, and then do something really terrible to her and leave her behind. At least when they gouged out the eyes of whatever that character was in uh, 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 Game of Thrones. Like, we knew him for, like, you know, most of the season. Um, I cannot actually think of his name. <laughs> you know I'm talking about, though, right? Yes, I'm okay. sorry. I'm just still really laughing at, like, that Eve is... Ugh. I feel I because I feel like I'm supposed to just somehow intuit from this how how she's feeling and what she's thinking about all these lines that she's crossed because the show just does not tell me no and 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 the fact that she's running around crossing on these lines she kidnaps a kid for an entire episode I know and then she's like let's do the electric slide what the f- it makes no sense um. How do you feel about the fact that we are going to have a spinoff shoved down our throats? I don't want it. Keep it. Um, you know, I think that's very funny because, you know, the, the Killing Eve spinoff was announced the same day that they announced um, Orphan Black will be coming back. And I, I, you mentioned Orphan Black earlier in the episode as the other really successful BBC America show. Orphan Black was never expected to be a hit the way it was it was sort of an accident killing eve at least like you could see that they knew they had a hit on their hands and they were like rubbing them together and ecstatic about it the way that they marketed it before that first season came out was like uh was was just absolutely driven orphan black was not actually marketed before it appeared and became a hit and then sort of marketed like you know sort of retcon marketed um i i find the fact that we are that this is all bbc america has to be a little worrisome um, I will say that I am much more uh open to the idea of an Orphan Black spinoff than I am a Killing Eve spinoff, precisely because Orphan Black is not trying to... Orphan Black is like, this is going to be in the same universe, and it's probably also going to have clones. And to be honest, like, I have fully forgotten some of the, like, complicated evil organization mumbo-jumbo that, that went along with, like, sarah manning and all of her clones which again didn't matter because what mattered was sarah manning and her clones exactly so i'm hoping that like they sort of understand the assignment a little bit better like these this killing eve spinoff like does not understand the assignment like i could i could give a crap about the 12 i don't care i love fiona shaw i think she's an amazing actress i loved her character carolyn from the beginning i always thought she was kind of this great sort of foil to eve in a way that villanelle Wait, i haven't ranted about the way they ruined carolyn this season either because first this season was also about carolyn finding kenny's killer and then she doesn't care 
Because she actually knew who Kenny's killer was because it was revealed at the end of season three. And so the plot line never made a single lick of sense. It doesn't go anywhere. And I have absolutely no idea why she like okayed killing Villanelle or even Villanelle or whoever that was meant for. Like no idea. I think that that's supposed to be her way back into MI6 after defecting to Russia for no reason whatsoever. I don't care. Don't get keep it. I, I think I think that's it, but I'm actually not sure because the show never makes it clear. It's just Carolyn was evil the whole time. Yeah, I truly like. I'm trying to think of things that I care about less than Carolyn's secret history with the twelve. Um. Yeah. No. No. And I, I just I, I'm just like I would rather have watched like a show about Constantine being a mayor of his random Russian town. <laughs> like I would rather the show was about Pam, to be honest. Like, I just don't, I just truly, or gun, or poor blind gun on her island of pain. Like, I just don't (laughs) care about, I'm done with Carolyn. I'm done with the 12. Like, why was Constantine's daughter brought back up? Oh my gosh. In that one scene, he's, she's just like, you suck, dad. Bye. Like, I'm joining the 12. Like, I thought that actually was going to go somewhere. No, it didn't go anywhere. Like, it was random. It was like, do you... It was almost like the show was like, remember these characters? Also, is the 12, like, is the 12, like, the Big Ten? I don't know who other people... Other people that listen to this are as big college uh, sports fans as I am, but one of my favorite things is that if you look at some of the, like, league names, like the Big 12 or the Big Ten, uh, none of those conferences have 10 or 12 teams in them anymore. (laughs) They all have, like, 14 or whatever. And I feel like the 12 is like that. Like, there's there's gonna be, like, a thousand people in the 12 now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's yeah, crying like I don't, I don't even I don't under I, I I very much felt like that final episode brought brought arena back and brought um and, and brought bill back up just to sort of remind us well I think of it as a final episode this is actually a final two episodes um for some people who people who watched it streaming it was you know two separate weeks I just really thought all the bill flashbacks because I still remember how shocking I found that episode. Villanelle, oh, kills yeah. him. Villanelle kills Bill in the fourth episode of the first season. And I still, to this day, remember the shot of her like bathed in blue light grinning after she's just murdered a man in a disco. It was like so shocking and so bold. And yeah, it was. And um, now I'm just like, really? Yeah. Um, The thing that I remember about Bill is that like, I remember being so upset that they killed Bill. I remember being so intensely upset that this show would do that. And it was the thing that really and truly sold me on it, that it it was it, it, it had that it, it had that killing Sean Bean in Game of Thrones kind of energy, but totally different. And in it in, in a way I wasn't expecting. Well, that was before they killed Constantine like four times. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, I I. I just am so intensely frustrated with what happened here. I just can't believe we spent like 15 minutes. We spent like 15 minutes on Pam helping a hot guy she met at a carnival slice meat. <laughs> that was the thing that we watched. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think that was supposed to be, hey, look, my butchering skills can be used for good. But yeah. none of it. The thing is, is that. You can't sort of gesture at things and then not follow through. I felt like so much of season four was gesturing at sort of fill in the blank here and then not actually going anywhere with it. And that was intensely frustrating. I I, I have I, I I now feel like having now seen the way that Killing Eve played out is that this was a show that was an experiment that failed. 
I really feel like I've watched a failed experiment of prestige TV. Um, Guys, sometimes you should just let it end after a season. Sometimes it's one season and it's like a perfect thing and you should just let it exist like entire and whole and it's perfectness and don't do don't do this to it or or do what the bbc does and let it sit until the creator has another idea i mean honestly that is the other thing compare this to fleabag fleabag was one season uh waller bridge was like i don't really have any good ideas for season two maybe if i come up with one i'll come back to it i'm gonna go make this thing called killing eve now and then she came up with this idea for fleabag season two so there was a fleabag season two like three years later and, like, I know that most Americans don't know that because most of Americans didn't discover it till Fleabag season two because then they were both on Amazon. Everybody watched them at once. But that really, I feel like if Killing Eve, if she'd been allowed to just sort of walk away from it and wander back in a couple of years because she came up with a good idea, we could have had a good, it, it, Killing Eve could have been on the same level as when we discussed things like Fleabag. But by forcing it to be a yearly show that came out at the same time over and over like this, by forcing it into the American model, it really was to the show's detriment. Sigh. It's just so disappointing because, gosh, I love season one. Mm-hmm. Like, I love season one. I love Jodie Comer. I love the character of Villanelle. And I like, want BBC America to succeed. You know, I want um, I want AMC Plus to succeed. I want this sort of, this very different model of how to handle streaming to succeed. And this is not, this is not going to cut it. Womp womp. I am excited that uh, it has helped make Jodie Comer sort of like a household name in America, though, because I've loved her for a long time. And I am just excited to see her get her all get all the props, even though I watched The Last Duel and I cannot recommend that you watch The Last Duel because she is wonderful in it. But it's literally like you just watch her get raped four times. So maybe pass. Yeah, maybe pass. Um, I, I, I can't wait to see what Sandra Oh does next. I love her work. I um, loved her on Grey's. I did watch her. Ne- she did a Netflix comedy called The Chair, which I thought was atrocious. Um, I don't think that was her fault. I think that I think that the the okay the no, chair she was, was good in it. Like the the show was just bad. It's not the, funny. The, the show was produced by the guys who did Game of Thrones and written by one of their wives. <laughs> I would I knew about the first part. Did not know about the wife nepotism. Yeah, um, so I, I think that sort of explains what's wrong with the chair. Um, but I, I honestly, like that, uh, she had yeah. a horror movie come out recently that was supposed to be really good. Um. Uh, Oh, shoot. It's whatever, like, the Korean word for mother is. Um, uh, I'll look it up. But, yeah, I want more Sandra Oh on my television. I, I, I want I want to see her do I want to see her do more drama and more comedy because I think she's great at both. I have no interest in the Killing Eve spinoff. None. I do not want to see it. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will have to see it because I'll probably have to, like, review it or something, but I don't want it. You can keep it. I, I'm actually shocked how intensely disappointed i am with season four and how absolutely turned me off of any kind of spinoff that at the end of season three if you told me i was going to get a carol martin spinoff i would have been ecstatic and now i'm like no can i tell you can i tell you a secret um i guess it's not really much of a secret if i just announced it on this podcast but i've never (laughs) thought carolyn was all that um i thought fiona shaw is great i know fiona shaw is great and she does a lot of standing around dropping like snarky one-liners and great pantsuits, but I thought that Carol, Carol and the character sucked. I understand that because you don't like those kinds of characters too. You there, there's a level where those don't speak to you. 
and in the in the same way that you would pick like uh i'm gonna say this you're gonna get mad at me the way you would pick like an edwina over kate I did pick it. Well, although I, I really wanted to like Kate. Anyway, I don't know. I've already had Bridgerton fans be mad at me about my Bridgerton opinion, so I don't need to rehash that. But No, but the fact that you always go for the Sansa and you always go for the Daphne. I do. I have a type. I think part of it is that I really... Part of it with Carolyn is that they never really picked Elaine with her. They wanted her to be like this sort of mysterious background, possibly like evil figure... But also someone you felt sorry for. Right. No. And this is one of those things where in the first season, she was supposed to be sort of the M, like from James Bond. And then they tried to make her into a romantic figure with Constantine, which maybe that's a stretch. And then they turned her into kind of like a Bloomfeld sort of 12 leader thing. And it's just. Yeah. It, it, again, this is this is a problem. And she like killed a man at the end of season three and was like, "That's fine." It was random. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't think they ever really had a very firm grip, grip on who that character was supposed to be. I think it was a real example of, well, we need something to happen. We we need this thing to happen. Let's just have Carolyn do it. Yes, or Carolyn like instigate it or yes. like. I would agree. That is actually, I think, what happened to her character, and that's a shame. Indeed. Oh, Killing Eve, I loved you so much once. Too bad your finale was... R.I.P. So disappointing. R.I.P. R.I.P. in the Dirty Tims with Villanelle, who sank really slowly and then really quickly i'm sorry i I, i'm a monster and i'm just gonna preface this with this but like when the sort of there's a scene where like like eve reaches out to villanelle who is like bleeding profusely and like sinking through the dirty water and like their hands almost touch but no because suddenly villanelle starts sinking a lot faster for reasons and it's just i know i wasn't supposed to laugh but it was so funny (laughs) i'm a monster anyway that's killing Eve. Can't wait to talk about the spinoff. I think we'll skip that. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my adorable fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy tails at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. So if you uh, want to know what I wrote this week, just go and find my Twitter and follow me there because I retweet all of my bylines. Thanks. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B and like Annie... I write here a lot at televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines, uh, even when they're the ones that cause people to yell at me. So if you want to read any of them, like just come be my friend, get cat pictures, all the good stuff. If you just want the uh, British TV content, the site and the pod are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube at the WETA PBS YouTube channel, and you can subscribe to our newsletter at televisions.org slash subscribe, which will get you updates on the pod, the latest articles we put on the site that week, all that good stuff. Uh, while you're at televisions.org, if you click on the donate button up top, you can help us keep making all this good content and get access to PBS Passport at the same time, which gets you all kinds of early access goodies, including like you can watch things like Sanditon and Call the Midwife a week ahead, a bunch of stuff coming this summer, like Endeavor, I think will drop early. There's a lot. There's just a lot. Um, Nicola Walker's new show, Annika, I think it's called, is going to be avail- available on Passport 
It may already actually be available on Passport. I don't know what day it is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is already available on Passport, and no, Endeavor drops the same day as it premieres on uh, Linear. Huzzah. Um, that's why she does the streaming posts. Anyway, uh, it is springtime. Go outside, enjoy the nice weather. Be nice to strangers. It's rough out there. And uh, come back and see us next week. Thanks for listening.